Hey, now, as you can tell, this is Brace for Impact, and I'm not Mike Gilbert. I'm JD, um, I guess by God, Oliva, and Mike is actually having his anniversary right now. Him and his wife are horseback riding in the beautiful island Oahu, I think, Maui, I forget where Honolulu is, but they're um, they're horseback riding, enjoying their anniversary. So happy anniversary, Mike. Uh, go to hell because you live in Hawaii and I hate you. <laughs> so joining me today is my buddy, regular Scott Young from The Wrap, joining me today on BTI. What's going on, man? Not a whole lot, JD. Thank you for having me. And uh, I'm going to have to take one of my personas from The Wrap, especially after watching this episode. I'm definitely salty Scott on this episode. I wish Mike was here. Not that I don't want you here, but I just wanted to tell him how bad this episode of Impact was, <laughs> just because I enjoy doing that. This he was, set me up. I don't know if he set you up because we're not. We don't. I mean, like we know the spoilers, but I didn't know it was going to be. I was actually excited for this episode because I, I knew too. I knew what was going to happen, and I'm like, oh, this is this could be like a monumental episode, and um, one good. <laughs> One good. No, no. But, from top to bottom, honestly. Start. Let's start off with uh, something else that's not good. Lady Frost, um, current knockout on paper, but she does not want to be. Apparently, Lady Frost has been asking for a release for I think a couple months now. She hasn't been used for a while in Impact, and uh, she kind of went public with her complaints. I, according to her, Impact has several unpaid invoices from reimbursement payments, really from her as far as like testing and. And um, some travel expenses go, and she she aired those grievances publicly, requested her release. Impact fired back saying that's not accurate. We have paid those, and you're not getting a release. Basically, so this is kind of a it's kind of a weird thing because either somebody paid these bills, and it's gonna be very easy to figure out who that person is because somebody's got receipts, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this this whole thing just seems really weird. Like uh, the 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 whole thing about not paying somebody from this national company, it just seems out of left field. And Lady Frost, I, you know, I I don't know, man. This this whole situation it just seems out of nowhere and very random. Um, you know, there is some base to this. When Ethan Page left in uh, early twenty twenty one, he voiced a lot of ex- displeasure with Impact about not paying bills for for travel expenses and whatnot. So, it's like this, and it's a small company, right? So it's not like it's unheard of for a company not to pay these things or try to get away. The problem with this is, is um, I don't understand. This is a legit question. I don't understand what either side is hanging on to as far as the supposed contract goes, right? Because Frost is signed to own. She she can wrestle anywhere, right? It's a true independent contractor. She just can't do TV for anywhere else. So there, and it's a per date appearance. So it's not like she gets paid. She only gets paid from Impact when she wrestles for them. And she's not wrestling for them right now. But she can't go anywhere else. But is she really going to go anywhere else? Like. Are either WWE or AEW beating down her door right now? I mean, I'll I'll be a dick. I don't think so. So, I mean, why is either side all worked up on this? Like, I don't understand why Impact's not just like, fine, go. Like, it's not like the, because we'll talk about contracts and time and investment later on in the Patreon show. There's a hint. But I mean, like, Impact didn't spend a lot of money developing or or investing time into her. So it's not like they're losing out on anything. It was a per appearance deal. She did her appearances. And I don't understand what she's all worked up about because 
She's only on a per appearance deal. Like I don't, I don't, I'm starting to not get either side of this. Yeah. Her, her side, I is really the one I'm not getting the most as far as impact goes. This feels more like a, you, what you're not going to do is try to disparage our name to build a name. So we're, we're going to clap right back and make sure people know that we took care of business. We did what we were supposed to do. So I, I get impact side of it as far as if, if they have the receipts, like you said, and they have all their paperwork, I get them be like, nah, it's not going down like this. Lady Frost, though, because I'm with you, who is going to put her on TV as far as where she wants to be released and won't just work, you know, stay on her contract and just keep working these independent dates, get better, which is what she needs to be doing anyway. Mm -hmm. But so, yeah, I, her side of the things is where I'm really kind of is where that whole it's, you know, it feels random and just out of nowhere type thing impact. I get because you're just not going to let somebody talk about you any type of way when you're building your name right now. So this is this kind of reminds me of when Cross and Scarlet left Impact. They uh, they had some uh, accusations, we'll say, that were levied, and Scarlet got her release, but uh, Cross did not. Cross sat there in limbo for a while, waiting for his. I forget if he actually was released or if his contract did expire. But this is it's not something that Impact isn't known to do. And there, what what I will say nice about Impact is they have gone out of their way to pay talent who are not being used. Um, you know, Killer Kelly in his example, uh, Kylie Ray. I think Taylor Wilde said she's recently said she's still under impact contract. She hasn't been on the show in a year, but at the same time, they're under, they were under full-time contracts where Lady Frost is not a full-time contract. She's a per appearance contract. So again, I don't, I don't understand unless she truly thinks she's got a chance to land at either WWE or impact. Why? Why? I don't, Maybe someone can explain on this when they listen to the show later and, and reach back to me. But I just, I don't understand. And like, and saying one side is lying about these reimbursements. Absolutely, absolutely. I don't know. I can't. I haven't seen receipts, so I can't say which which side is is uh, factual and which side is, you know, not being factual on this. But this seems to be like something that could very easily could be easily verified. You know. Well, and not not only that, but it, whoever whoever does produce the receipts, the other side is gonna just look foolish. I mean, at the, at the oh, end yeah. of the day, whoever comes out of this on the wrong is just going to look foolish. At, I mean, so like you said at the top of this whole discussion, I, I don't see what the real gain is out of it. Because if Lady Frost is right, okay, and now what? You know what I mean? Now what? So I, I don't see what the whole end game of the whole thing is anyway. I mean, like, I don't understand why. I mean, if it, clearly Impact doesn't want her. Yeah, exactly. So I don't understand holding people to these contracts that you have no interest in. And that's across wrestling, mm -hmm. the spectrum. Like, I'll say this for anybody. If like if you have no intention of using somebody, unless you're going out of your way to punish them, like, why hold on to them? I, I, especially because if it's going to cause dissatisfaction again, we'll get, I'll get into that more Patreon. But I just, I don't get it, man. I really don't. So talking, let's talk BTI. Uh, today on BTI, the Bullet Club's Ace Austin and Chris Bay defeated J.D. Griffin and Exodus. That is talking BTI. Um, I can't you pretend I watched the show. You know what? I'm not going to lie, though. When I saw Chris Bay and Ace Austin, I almost gave it a shot. Did you see who they were wrestling? And then I was like, nah, I'm good. I I'll wait to the actual show. And that may not be fair, but come on, man. Give me, give me something more with Ace Austin and Chris Bay, though. I, dude, I, I got, I took some flat a couple weeks ago because I said, what are we doing with Austin? And I had to be reminded that he was actually 
on a on a pay-per-view that I was in the arena for. And, you know, he was <laughs> such but he's such a non-factor in that Bullet Club. Right. Um, uh, I don't know more match that I, f- I forgot. I mean, I think that especially he came out of he came out of the the. The junior, uh, I'm sorry, my dogs are barking out there. He came out of the uh, the G, the Super J Cup so hot, I felt that I thought we really could have done something a little bit more. I think I just don't think they've done much with him or Chris Bay in the last few months, and um, I don't know, I'm a little frustrated with it. Yeah, I'm not happy about it. I I think Ace Austin should be on a trajectory right now. Like he he should be on a path. He should be one of those guys that you're kind of building your foundation on. He's young enough. Like you should be building your foundation around this guy. And I, I don't, and Chris Bay, that's a whole nother conversation for what they're doing with him too. So I, I don't know, two guys that they should be doing a lot more with, at least they want. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't get either of them. Really. I mean, you can't push. We talked about this before. You can't push everybody right, all the right. time. And I understand <clears throat> that, but there are guys that are being featured right now that I, I think aren't as good as these guys as good as television characters or as good in the rain. So that's where I'm at. I'm like, I, I question who we're pushing as, you know, why I'm not saying like, Oh, this guy's underutilized. Cause that's a hard thing to say. I think that's an old, I think that's one of the most overplayed um, internet wrestling fan tropes is this guy is underutilized. Well, I mean like insert your favorite mid Carter, right? Everyone says that everybody's mm-hmm. favorite guy. Who's not the champion is underutilized. Right? No, I, that, I think that's a good point. And between the 80 video packages and promos we got in the middle of the show, wow. these two guys could have been on the show. And, mm-hmm. and I, I'm 100% what you said. You can't push everybody, but that doesn't mean you have to not see everybody. Like we could have seen or heard from them. You know, just give me a video package. Let me, mm-hmm. let me know that you're prioritizing those guys. That's all I'm asking. No, and I agree that if this was a one-week thing, I'd be like, yeah, no, it's only one week. It's no big deal. But it's been like a while now, and mm-hmm. it's just – I feel like I feel like there's something else. We, I mean, if they're going to be a tag team, which I'm all for, like, give me a little bit more with them as a tag team. Start doing something with them a little bit more interesting because I do think these are guys that that can do something. Um, that said, I would like to see them go off to Japan, you know, and and do. I know that um, usually us uh, uh, or uh, Bay's been tagging with Ishimori, but I would like to see the two of them tagging together in New Japan. I think that would be a good thing. Maybe on Strong. Uh, so mm. talk about we'll talk about New Japan Strong at the end of the show. Actually, like, there's an idea for possible New Japan Strong tag title match I just thought of. So uh, I'm going to look at the Observer notes from, written by Chick Fritz, who's covering the who's covering the show. Speak for these were Chick Fritz. That sounds like a guy who played third base for the Washington Senators back in like 1935. So <laughs> kudos to that name that rules. Uh, we started out with a tag title match. Open super hot. OGK defeated the Good Brothers to win the Impact Tag Titles. Um, Mike always goes through these things blow by blow. I don't want to do that. Uh, it was a pretty good match. I really enjoyed the fact that um, the OGK are now going to be the centerpiece attraction in the tag division. But I'm going to be honest with you. I was completely distracted in this match because I was not prepared going in for the terrible level of video production that we were given tonight. It starts here and you just there's something in every segment that, that you're just like, what is what is going on tonight? Um, as far as the match goes, it, it's it's a weird thing. As I'm watching this match, my main takeaway from it was Mike Bennett, especially when Maria's not around, is just a guy. Like Matt really? Taven's to I mean, that's how he came off. Okay. Matt Matt Taven came off as as a big personality, somebody yeah. I could be like, yeah, I'm getting behind that guy. Mike Bennett was just the guy out there for me. 
Now, when Maria came around and he's beside her and he's interacting with her, I'm like, okay, I, 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 I see it now. I see, I see what, you know, why everybody's high on him. But when he was just out there with Matt Taven, I'm like, he's just a guy with Matt Taven. I agree with you, actually. I think that what makes Mike Bennett work, especially as a TV character, because I think he's a good mm-hmm. professional wrestler. I think he's a more than competent pro wrestler who has good matches everywhere he goes. As a TV character, when Maria's not there, he's really lacking something. Like, I don't want to say he doesn't have charisma, but it's, it sh- and I've always thought this, it shines through so much more when Maria's around. And Maria is such a strength to that. Um, the kingdom, I, there's always going to be the kingdom to me. Uh, the, the OGK package, like Maria is absolutely, you know, the best part of the deal. And the, I, that, again, that's why Taven got to be the Ring of Honor champion. And Mike Bennett floated around, quite frankly, from promotion to promotion without him. You know, there is something missing from him on his own. I can't argue that. And I, you know, after the like the promo they cut backstage, you know, while they had the match going on, also during the promo, um, with oh, we'll Anna talk no about more. that. We'll talk about that when we get there. <laughs> Maria was like Maria is great in this role. The way she interacts with all of them, even like her interaction with Kenny King was great. Like, well, I couldn't be with them, but I could be with Kenny King. You know, like little things that she does with the characters make it just adds so much to it. She's fantastic. I think she's actually one of the best performers in this company. I really mm-hmm. do. And I, you want to talk about underutilized? I said that's under, that's a overdone term, but I think she could be a bigger part of this. I don't know more faction as like a leader. Like I, I don't think that she is being maximized, but I also don't know how long she is for the promotion. I know they're in a weird place, so um, I'd like to see more of Maria because I think she's really good at what she does. But um, this is it for Good Brothers, Doc and Carl. They're out. This was a good match. Um, I, it wasn't great. Like, I, you know, I was wondering what kind of Carl Anderson and Doc Gallus we were going to get. And I, I thought they did fine. The, the opening of the match, okay. yeah, it was fine. fine. It was fine. I, I, I can't, I can't give it more than that. You know, it was, it was fine. And the ending just like the whole point of Maria not being there was, I felt like for them to find a way to cheat, you know, and do like, I don't think what they did was really heelish cheating. That was no. just tag team wrestling. Tag so, team wrestling. Essentially, they got beat clean without their manager. Like it, it just—I don't know. It, the I'm whole thing didn't make sense to me. It was very well, backwards. I'm, I am a hundred percent with you. Um, I think they tried to add a stakes to this match that wasn't really necessary, right? They—I don't think they were interested in protecting the Good Brothers on the way out, which makes sense. You know, they're mm-hmm. leaving. Why protect them? And Carl, I, we, Mike, and I joke on the show all the time that that big match Carl's kind of checked out lately. And I, I think that kind of carried over into this one. He, he used to have these super sweet set of abs. Those are uh, fading, <laughs> a little bit fading. Um, so I think they're headed to New Japan, probably going to take a vacation for a little bit, be my guess. And then they're going to head back to New Japan would, would, would be what I think. But I thought this was uh, fine, if not underwhelming. Yeah, very underwhelming, especially for a tag title change. And honestly, I probably had my hopes a little too high for this match. I was I was expecting a little bit more from this match because OGK's real like they're really good. They they move around really well. And I thought that would just make it easier for Anderson and Gallows to have a really good match. And they didn't. No, I mean, like I didn't have high ex- I, I didn't have high expectations. And I'll tell you what, I can't, I'll be honest, I cannot judge this match because the cameras bothering me again. This is literally what I do for a living. What I've done for 20 years. I now teach this. I'm going to take, because I'm an impact plus subscriber on YouTube. When I teach video production one next semester, I'm going to, I, I jokingly tweeted this and I thought 
No, this is actually a good idea. I'm going to teach. I'm going to show this episode to kids, this match in particular, why you white balance a camera. There were two cameras there that were, when we talk about white, I'll do a little production breakdown. White balance is, is cameras or computer. They're dumb, right? The human eye knows how to adjust to light. The sunlight, sunlight produces uh, 56 degrees Kelvin light temperature. Like that's the, that's the threat, light temperature of the sun. Your light, your typical floor or your typical light bulb produces 32. That's a, the average light bulb. So the sun color looks different than like indoor lighting color, right? And your eyeball reads it different, but it knows how to adjust. Cameras don't know how to adjust. You have to tell it. So if you're outside shooting outdoors, you have to tell it to read 5,600. If you're indoors, normally you have to tell the camera to read 3,200. Like, and there's a lot of different ways on a camera to do that. You can program it in manually, or this is my favorite. You can stick the camera. You can press the white balance button and have the camera zoom in on a white piece of paper. And you tell it, this is white. That's literally what it is. That is how you set white balance. You can either program it manually or some, some cameras have L cameras really have a preset too for indoor and outdoor, or you just push the button that says white balance. That's it. That's it. That's all it takes to white balance a camera. And the fact that this has been such a problem in this promotion drives me crazy. It looks like it looks like they don't freaking care. And that drive that just that's so unprofessional. Like if we did that when I was in college on a video production, we'd have gotten we'd have gotten a C, if not lower, on a you know, and it's just if I'm watching a professional wrestling product on national television, I expect higher. I expect better, you know. No, and, and I don't think there's any faults in that, and you should. And the fact that you're catching all of this, just, just watching the show regularly, you know, you're not looking for anything. You're just seeing this just goes to show, and I think the word you use was careless. It's, it's careless. You know, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just careless, and it, it projects that we don't care. And when you project that, people who are watching like, oh, well, this is a backstage skit. Why would I care what's going like even because the backstage stuff was going on like that, too. They were, when they did the, the Moose and Steve Macklin thing and they were zooming in and out and they were doing the different frames, they would get blurry for a minute. If this is happening, like, I, you know, I don't know. I, I'm with you. And I, I don't think it's I think this is the type of stuff they should be called on because this is little things they could be improving on. That's it, like that stuff didn't bother me because that's kind of what impacts been doing for years. And that's mimics like reality TV because reality yeah. TV will do that. Oops. Where they like snap zoom and, and try to get a focus. It's, it's a it's a reality TV trope. They And that actually doesn't bother. There's other backstage of the bottom. That doesn't bother as much. Mm-hmm. What bugs me about this is like if you were a tape show, right? They tape the show. So if you make a mistake, a video editor, right? I can color correct. Mm, I yep. can fix that. Yep. Like there's so many levels of, of there's so many levels that there's something this could be addressed in and they're not. It makes me go, who is working in these things? They're owned by a television network for God's sakes. Like, <laughs> you no, wouldn't know it. There's no reason this show has to look as bad as it does. And it's like, Oh, JD, you're nitpicking. You ain't going to see them WWE. WWE is not going to make that mistake. There is your competition. There is the bar. I'm going to tell you this. I'm watching. I've, I've been watching 1984 Mid South Wrestling. That's been like my my little hobby thing that I'm doing. Just going through the whole year. What a great show. They don't do that in Mid South Pro Wrestling. 1984. They knew how to white balance the camera. I'm not asking for much, man. I'm asking people to take their jobs seriously. Second match of the day, we had the X Division champ Speedball Mike Bailey defeated Kenny King. In a kerfluffle of a cluster fuck of a match, if I've ever seen one. 
what I, I my speedball is supposed to be this guy he's, that you're building up as you know your 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 prodigy, and you're just you're giving away visual pinfalls. You're making him just look stupid while he's dancing on the ropes as his opponent's laying there. Instead of him doing his move, he's dancing, doing pose. Like you're making your baby face look like a complete idiot. And he's one of the, your best baby faces you have. I, I, I don't get what the, I don't get the match layout here when he's doing stupid things. I, I don't have any sympathy for him. I wanted him to lose. On the grand scale of of dumb baby faces, because Hulk Hogan was not a dumb baby face. He was like a smart. He was always outsmarting the bad guy. And then you had Sting on the other scale, who was the dumbest baby face of all time, constantly being outsmarted by the villains. This was like 10 past Sting on the baby face, <laughs> dumb Richter scale. Like I've never seen such idiocy. This booking and this what bother me, too, is the false finish like. Uh, the visual pinfall, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Kenny King reverses the sunset flip. Maria holds it. It's very old school, very old school to see something like that. I kind of appreciate that. And the second referee comes out and says, no, no, no. And they did that pseudo Eddie Grant thing. And they totally bury every other referee that's ever going to make a decision whenever a heel wins. Because why here and why not any other time? Because you can't tell me a heel is not going to win by cheating because that's what they do. Like, I understand they think it worked in the moment, but why don't we do this constantly? Like you've established that ref it's a dangerous establishment. Like you establish that referees are watching from the back. So why don't they do this every time a heel wins? Well, it wasn't even the referee from the back. It was the referee that was knocked out. Oh, that's what it was. That's yeah, it was the, but, yeah, but that right, makes it, right. but that makes it worse though, because how often do you see a ref bump? In a, in a wrestling, in a title match. You know too what I mean? Too damn often, to be quite you, honest. You know what you. I'm saying? So, uh-huh. like, for them to do that, and and you mentioned the visual pinfall with the actual one, two, three. If you want to be technical, that was the second one because when he low-blowed Mike Bailey, he You're got right. a one, two, three right there. You're right. Like, I, I have no idea what the thought process was for this matchup. And, like, why are you protecting Kenny King? I, I, I'm a fan. I like Kenny King. I like what he brings to the table, but he's not a guy you need to be protecting right no. now when you got speedball across from him. No, I, I this whole thing is was baffling. Because can, can I give you a hot take? Go ahead. Speedball, a little overrated. Hmm. I just I, I haven't seen that five-star banger. Now I haven't watched all of his matches, but just from what I've seen, he's good, but I haven't seen the, the great yet. So I think that people like he's having really good indie matches, right? Really good. Like, and I'll admit that I saw him live at um, em- emergence. I can't remember the name of the show I went to in Chicago, the impact show. And he wrestled uh, Jack Evans. And I thought the match was, eh. and most of it was on Evans. Evans blew up. Like he looked great physically and the match started. And I think he got tired 30 seconds in <laughs> and it just, it wasn't, it did not work afterwards. But I mean, like, I mean, speedball is good in the ring, but I just, what is a speedball? Well, it's something that Kenny King wanted to pop because that's what, that's all I knew about it was that, <laughs> that like, Kenny King wanted to pop them. Like, that's just, I mean, I just don't, as a kid, this books me about like TV, right? This is a TV promotion. This is only a TV promotion, by the way. Like, I just, Impact is a show that spends a lot of time with character development, more so than most wrestling promotions. Like it was a small roster. And oftentimes we spend a lot of time with these characters, establishing, getting to know them. They do a lot with them. I don't know anything about speedball. He's been that he's been not, he's been, I almost called him knockouts. He's been the exhibition champ for a bit now. Like he's been in this company for a while. 
like he probably not the best talker i'm assuming but i don't know anything about him as a character i don't know what speedball means right i don't get it like i don't and this one i was talking about earlier is like I, I like chris bay and ace austin are fully flushed out characters right they can both talk they can work excellently like they're a, a well-rounded package but i mean speedball and he's good don't get me wrong but he's got this hot indie name right now and i feel like impact is is jumping on that but as a tv character i don't i don't feel anything for him and i'm the guy who keeps saying every week it's got to be about more than matches got to be about more than matches and this is almost like i think it's got to be about more than a match here because especially when you've got a uh an angle heavy match like this one mm-hmm I think that this didn't do much to help him. I, all I think of speedball is an idiot now as a character. I think he's an idiot. You know, and one of the things I like to think about when I'm thinking about like how a character is presented is that what if somebody's watching this for the very first time, what if they're tuning into this show for the very first time and they see speedball and they see him do all these dumb things, but he comes to the ring and he's posing and he's, he's, you know, he's doing these ninja poses and it's like, who is he? And the announcers aren't doing him any favors either. Because they're not, they're not really talking about who he is. They're talking about what he's done. They they laid out his streak, but still, what what who is Speedball? Like, mm-hmm. you know, when they they talk about Kenny King, they talk about him beating Rob Van Dam and him being a big part of Honor No More, and they laid out all of this. They talked about his wins, but who is he? Who was he before that? Who was he to get to that point to be the champion? Little things like that. I, I don't think this match, the announcers, the entire presentation of Speedball, did any anybody who saw him for the first time. I don't think they have any want to see him again in this in this light. It's interesting you make that point because I hear people make that point a lot when it comes to wrestling. It's like, what about the first time viewer? Um, I'll go the other way with this. As like you watch most TV shows, like um, if you if you turn on if I turn on the next episode of House of the Dragon. They're going to assume I've watched the previous two episodes. And if I don't, I go back. I have to go back and watch them. So that doesn't bother me. I hear what you're saying. It doesn't bother mm-hmm. me as much. But I watch the show every week, and I don't know who Speedball <laughs> is. That bothers right. me more because, like, I don't feel like we've done the character work to go. I think it's just, well, this guy's got a hot name on the indies. Let's take advantage of it right now. And I just, I don't know, man. I feel like we could be doing better. And I feel like there's guys that are as, I don't say it. I think they're, I don't. I think they're as good that don't get the character work that that's that have the character work that aren't getting the time that speedball's getting right now. That's, that's a personal opinion. So after that, we had an interview with Aussie open. I know more about Aussie open after this short interview than I do about speedball, Mike Bailey. And I knew more about them beforehand too, because Aussie open are one of the best damn tag teams in the world right now. They had a, they were part of a great six man uh, trios. It's going to be match on AEW last night. They've looked phenomenal in new Japan strong. So they're currently the new Japan strong tag team champions, part of Will Ospreay's United empire unit. And they are absolutely fantastic i am so excited to have them in impact they are they're just absolutely great man what are you familiar with aussie open only from what i've seen in aew so you know and that, that that's been excellent the last two times or the couple of times i've seen them in aew i thought this promo was might have been one of the highlights of the entire show for this sure was excellent excellent and this is the first time i've heard him talk so i was completely blown away and you know i was actually when i saw them without will osprey my first thought was how is this gonna go and my next thought was who needs will osprey you know what i mean like they're they they were excellent 
And I'm really excited about next week's match with Chris Bay and Ace Austin. I, I, I think that's going to be great. That's, that's what I want from Chris Bay and Ace Austin. Put them in meaningful matches. I agree 100%. And this is going to be really good. And it's going to keep that, that uh, Bullet Club United Empire right. rivalry from New Japan over in here. We don't do a lot to set up the New Japan stuff in this company. But I feel like we did far more work here than we normally get. And I thought that Aussie Open did an absolutely great job introducing themselves to the Impact audience. And I just, again, I agree. I think this might have been the best part of the whole show, to be honest with you. Yeah, love the promo. I take it back. Uh, we, oh, no, we missed it. This is not on the recap. But now is when we got our interview. We got our Honor No More interview segment with Eddie Edwards, where there was clearly another match going on in the background. And I couldn't hear a damn thing Vincent said. <laughs> like I and I went back and watched it twice because I'm the first time I'm watching it, I'm like there's no way this is happening there's no way there's there's a match going on and then I'm hearing ooh ah you're hearing the match slapping and I didn't even I missed the complete the promo the, you know and I had to go back and watch it again like I, I don't understand how that happens oh, why would you why would you record it right there? Just go somewhere else. We do it all the time here. Do it all the time. There might be nowhere else to go, but here's what I got to say. Here's what I'm going to say to that. Why can't they be at the arena and doing this stuff earlier? WWE right. does that stuff earlier. AEW does that stuff earlier. Like they have these arenas. Do it before or after the show. Don't, I understand you're trying to condense everything, but goddamn, make people show up a couple hours early. You're paying for their day. Get the day's work out of them because this stuff is slop. Again, sloppy makes your company look bad, and I can't, I cannot express enough how. And it hurt the it hurt the interview because again, they're watching these things, they're putting it together. Someone should say, you know, this didn't work, and it bugs me that nobody does. Because like I said I couldn't hear a thing Vincent said. Yeah, and he and and he was talking. You know, he well, he when I went back and listened to it, he was talking about how him and PCO. You know, sometimes people just don't understand PCO. Eddie Edwards got mad at him because he didn't respond to him. You know, believing him that he was going to win the title and stuff. So there seems to be a little dissension between PCO and Eddie Edwards. Um, that was kind of the, the the gist of what Vincent was saying. He said, "I'll handle PCO." So it looks like Frankenstein is going to go back to working on his monster. That's fine. Um, at some point, I feel like we got to get PCO. We, I feel like we've been pulling, we've been, you know, stretching this out for months now of having PCO turn babyface because again, nobody wants to boo that guy, and mm -hmm. I still don't think he really fits in with this group to begin with, especially where we're at now. But whatever, they don't, I don't book the show. Uh, we forgot that actually Macklin, and after the after the Aussie Open interview, we had Macklin and Moose in the background, um, briskly debating the Sammy Callahan subject and. Got the barbed wire. I always forget the name of this match. Barbed wire massacre match coming up. And uh, perhaps they're working together. Looks like probably not. Moose wouldn't answer any questions. What did you think of this interview segment? So, again, why why do we have to make people look dumb? The reporter and the cameraman just watched the entire conversation. The entire conversation where Steve said we should work together. And she goes to Moose and says, hey, Moose, what were you talking about? You know exactly what he was talking about. That's that's not a good question. No. And this is the reporter you have. And maybe it's just me. But these are the little things that I'm noticing as I'm watching. And I'm like, what an awful question when you have one opportunity to get a good question. As a reporter, you should be thinking, I have one chance to get a good question. In, and that's what you ask. You got that answer. What? Most, are you and Steve going to work? Are you and Macklin going to work together to take out Sammy Callahan? Is that the plan going in? 
I there mean, come on. It's that easy. It's that easy. Who, who's writing this stuff, man? Who's and, writing it? And here's the great Jimmy Jacobs is the answer. And here's the thing, R.D. Reynolds. We have writers on this show. Like sometimes the AEW stuff, I think it's kind of jumbly because the guys are, are left on their own to, to, you know, cut their verbiage. And then sometimes that's not a good decision. But everyone's telling people what to say this time that's around. Crazy, man. Like, I don't know, man. This is, again, it's, it's, it's such a, this was such a sloppily produced episode of Impact. It, it, it really disappointed me. Let's talk about something that wasn't disappointing. Mickey James came out for a promo and, um, yeah. Well, let's, 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 let's clarify. Let's, let's clarify. Please. Mickey and Mickey and the twins came out for a promo. <laughs> let's, 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 let's clarify. She wasn't out there alone. She, <laughs> Mickey James, man. I don't know what I don't know what else to say that doesn't get me in trouble, but um Hey Mickey, yeah. Mickey a bad woman, man. It is what it For is. Real. She a bad woman, man. That's Richmond VA, two up two down, <laughs> my hometown. That's a bad woman right there. Um I you know I, I really at the first part of the promo, I was like, all right, I don't know where this is going. You know, I felt like we were going. I, I didn't know where it was going. But then she really when she started talking about, you know, the death best that she's been on and kind of the lows that she went on. And she took you all the way down to those lows. And when she's like, but because of the because of you guys telling me who I am, that I'm Mickey James. I'm not giving up. Yet. I I love the, 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 the twist at the end and the way she flipped it and. Really good promo from a great pro. And I love how she's taking all these elements from the, the flair thing where if she loses another match, she retires. And, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. And I, we're going to talk about later on. I think the, all of her matches now feels bigger than Jordan Grace and her title. <laughs> like she feels like a bigger deal than the champion. I agree. Well, and there's like, here's the thing too, is we often, I think sometimes wrestling fans, we think the person holding a, a piece of metal over their shoulder has value. This is a star business. It mm-hmm. always has been. It always will be star power matters more than anything because you have to be invested in characters. We have to be invested in people. And Mickey James is an unfair advantage over, over just about everyone else in this promotion because she's been with us for so long. And we've been on such a journey with Mickey James and, you know, she started in this promotion as Alexis Lurie in 2003 mm. with CM Punk, ironically enough. So, I mean, like, her roots go through this place. So when she cuts that promo, fans that have been watching this program for a long time that have suffered with this program for a long time, it means something, right? And a lot of people have those same ties with her through WWE. So, and I think that, I think that Mickey's one of the best promos in the game. Like most, I'll say underrated promos in the game. Like when people talk about good promos, Mickey James doesn't come up, but she's really good at it. Really good at cutting promos. Yeah. And, and I think this is, I, I think this is going to kind of change that narrative. And the, the reason that is, if we're being honest about it, is because she's an impact. Like if she was on a bigger scale and she was doing this on a bigger stage, bigger stakes, bigger matches, I, I think, recognizing kind of what you're acknowledging is how good she is, especially in the game, because like Deanna in me personally, like Deanna's not a great promo. I don't think Jordan's a great promo. I don't think Chelsea's a great promo. And Mickey's been able to really carry a lot of these feuds with her really carrying the mic work on a lot of these. 
I, I agree with you. I think that um, I think we've got a lot of ring talent in the knockouts division mm-hmm. right now. I don't think we have a lot of personalities. Um, I think it's one reason why Jessica Havoc's reinvention as Jessica has worked so well is because it's been all, and we saw that we, I forgot about that. We saw that vignette too with the, with her Rosemary and Taya that's worked well because we've seen personality. Like we get so obsessed with the star ratings and the match is this, and this has got to be this at the end of the day, what can, and this is everywhere. What connects to people in television wrestling is character. And Mickey James has a strong character that we've been invested in literally for decades. So wherever they're going with this, it's going to work and it's going to be really good. Another uh, promo we missed was Violent by, I think the end of Violent by Design, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big Joe, going to go off and kick Cancer's ass one more time. Didn't stop him before, won't stop him this time. One of the toughest human beings on the planet. Godspeed to you, sir. And then um, Eric Young says he's leaving, and Diener, didn't he, maybe he follows him, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. As, as long as we stop getting Eric Young doing a Bray Wyatt impression, I'll be happy. <laughs> I thought this was a really good send off, a good way to kind of disband the group, leave it open for that, you know, so that way they can always come back together at some point. Uh, I, I actually, as someone who watches WWE, you know, WWE just can't help, but just have a breakup in a feud. I appreciate them just going their separate ways, being like, Hey, respect to you. Go do your thing. Go handle your business. Come back. We'll still be right here. But why, why, why can't brotherhoods just end like that all the time? Cause then it's, you know what I mean? I, I, I love little, little things like that. Just do a lot. And now Eric Young can go do his thing and we'll see what happens. Good, yeah. good send off. I agree. I think um, Mike and I talked about this last week that um, I, I think it's been time. I think the violent by design has done everything they could have done. The gimmick is played out at this point and they need something else. And this was good. Like not every, not all of your relationships have to end with, with violent feuds, right? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times you just say, Hey man, it's time to do something else. And you say, Hey bro, peace out. See you later. And I thought that's what this was. And uh, even for a heel faction, it was good. And I hope uh, for real, I hope that um, I hope Joe Doran keeps on fighting, man, because his, he has been a great comeback story. I had a lot of doubts about him coming back into this promotion because he looked real rough when he had his all Japan return and um, he looked absolutely healthy and and absolutely great earlier this year. And I'm I'm, I'm real sad to see this. And I know the big man's going to keep on fighting. We had, we had a lot of more interviews on the show than I thought. A Josh, ton. tons, more than I realized. Josh Alexander sat down, did an interview. And all I could think about was the match going on in the <laughs> ring. Because that's all I could hear one more time. I, I think it may be, maybe it's Eddie Edwards. Maybe maybe it's a rib on Eddie Edwards because every time I saw him backstage, I heard a match going on in the background. So who knows what the hell is going on with that? And don't forget, we also had a Killer Kelly promo at the beginning of the oh, show yeah. uh, as was, well. I, I, we could, yeah, we, <laughs> that was. Hey man, let me tell you something. I was enamored with her. I was like, "Yo, you like to watch me watch you as have as you do what? What in the world? What is going been, on? Have, did you watch last week's episode? No, I, I did. She crept up from behind Tasha and put her in the rear naked choke. And it was like the most erotic rear naked choke I've ever seen in my entire life. Like she has this look on her face the whole time. And she puts that. I'm like, Jesus Christ, am I watching the Spice Channel from when I was a kid? What is this? Like, it's awesome. <laughs> it was great. It was great. It was a great video package. It definitely made me want to see her, see her choke somebody out and watch her do it. When she, when she let, uh, what's, what's, uh, what's Sasha's heavy's name? 
um, Savannah Evans. When she put when she had her hand by one hand and she put her other hand on her neck and started cheesing at her with that mouth guard, I was like, whoa, okay, I'm, I'm in. I, I, I'm I know, in. I know it works, man. <laughs> it's it, if I, I if I try to explain to someone, they'd be like, you're messed up. But I'm like, no, man, you cannot not watch this as a as a red blooded male. You cannot not watch this and just be like, whoa. Like and she seems like she'll kill you. Like that's the does. other thing too. She seems like she would legit kill you. And it's like a black. I've heard it called like a black widow type of character, but more like what the black widow character. These were comics guys, both of us. It's mm. more like what the black widow character should be. Like Scarlett Johansson never comes off that like sultry playing the character like i honestly think killer kelly does a better job embodying what that character should be than scarlett johansson ever did so um, a little more la femme nikita very much yeah yeah that's what mike actually compared it to last week too la femme nikita is a perfect comparison to it and uh the whole thing works for me because i'm messed up so <laughs> speaking of messed up this josh alexander interview which I'm glad you derailed me from because yeah, my bad. Sorry about no, that. No, 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 no. Don't apologize for that. This is an interview with the world champion that um, was bad because the production was bad, and then Eddie Edwards came in, and then Heath came. In. It was just this whole thing is a freaking mess, man. It's an absolute mess. So, you know, and, and tell me if I'm wrong. You know, I'm somebody who who drops in when a big mm-hmm. match happens, or you know, there's going to be a big moment coming. And you're somebody who, who's, you know, intricate into the, t- into the impact gene pool and whatnot. Is it just me or do the two world champions come off as not the biggest stars? And the, like, just they don't come off as the biggest stars. Like Josh Alexander did not come off as the top guy in the company. And I know when he gets in the ring, it, you know, it all changes. He can go. He does his thing. But him sitting back there, and I know he was just chilling. I know he was just cool, Josh, but he didn't come off as a top guy to me right there. So I'm glad you said that because now I have my soundbite for the week and people will hate you. Um, <laughs> and I mean, like, I amongst the Impact fan base, Josh is beloved. But I don't disagree with you. Um, Josh is great in the ring, and there's been, a, like, and you, you, you kind of pop in and out, so there's been a lot of character work done with him leading into his title win that mm-hmm. I think did a lot to um, ingratiate him into the good graces. I think a lot too, is we've seen him kind of come up from just being the tag team, the other guy with Ethan page, because Ethan page was such a bold personality that I think he kind of eats a lot of oxygen up. And I, th- I do think Josh was kind of the other guy. And then he really had a chance to shine as the X division champ. And then, you know, um, I thought we meandered with him last fall before he won the title quite a bit. But he's pretty beloved by this fan base. That being said, I don't really disagree with what you're saying. I hear, like, you know how, how much I love Bret Hart, mm-hmm. right? I hear those same arguments about Bret Hart. And for me, I'm always like, no, the, blah, 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 you know, this is why this. And like, but secretly, I'm like, I, I get where he's coming from. So I, I kind of feel that same way. Like, Josh is not a dynamic promo by any stretch of the imagination. And I think they try to go for, like, you know, some, like, down-home realism with him. But I don't disagree. I mean, like, I don't disagree with what you're saying, you know? Um, I don't know who would be bigger than him to put the title on right now, though, to be quite honest with you. And, and you know, maybe, maybe it's just me, but I... I've and he's it's just, and it probably is the way he carries himself. I've always thought Moose came off as a bigger star than Josh Alexander. He 
he Luke just says look and stuff he, like that and he yeah. just carries himself like a like and you know what maybe maybe that's what it is with josh maybe josh just has this laid-back demeanor that and that and that's not that's not a problem it's not a bad thing but maybe it's just that demeanor that i just it just comes off to me like he's he's a good guy but he's not the guy so i think josh's appeal is he's like an everyman type of vibe like he's a construction worker he is like that's before he was the impact champion he was a construction worker literally mm-hmm. so i mean like i think that's i think that's part of his appeal is he's the everyman and like again you're a wwe fan and that's kind of the world you've grown up in so mm-hmm. the champion needs to be this larger than life superstar and and normally i wouldn't disagree with you on that but i do think there's again bret hart fan i think there is something to this dude who could walk around in a pair of jeans and like a t-shirt that you can connect with on a different level like i think that's the thing about josh is he feels approachable but i can't i can't argue with him that he doesn't have that larger than life persona now let me let me ask you this what do you what do you think it is for for somebody like me because you said he's very beloved by mm-hmm. by the you know the 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 real diehard team or impact fan base so let me ask you this what do you think it would take to kind of help him branch out as far as you know getting those guys who you know like people like me who pop in and see him as a really good wrestler and and enjoyed his run so far but just don't see him as that guy for impact i think that's what would really help to sell people on josh is really telling his story he's one of those guys that has a, a great story you know um, the C5, you know, he calls it the C5, the C4 spike because he broke his C5 vertebrae and he was done with wrestling and had to come back. And like, there's a great picture floating around of him in 2015. He's kind of chunky. You know, he doesn't look super impressive. And he built himself into this walking weapon. And I think that, um, I think the best way to present that would be kind of those old school, you know, Bruce Pritchard's produced vignette style thing where you would sit down and talk to the guy and get in depth and let him talk about himself. I think that would be the best way to introduce him. Now, again, we all, we're all kind of there. Cause we've seen that and we've heard that story. Mm-hmm. If like, if let's say AEW were to sign him tomorrow, the best way to introduce him would be literally to have like Jim Ross sit down with him and tell the Josh Alexander story. And then I think you can make him like a beloved underdog baby fight face type character. Cause he's like a man of the people. But if you don't know that, I could easily see you not getting it. You know. So, so let me let me follow up with this. And yeah, then, please. Um, do you do you think it's important for a promotion like Impact that's always trying to grow? That's always. I disagree with that statement. One hundred percent. Impact so, is never trying to grow. So you don't think they're trying to grow? Because no. that actually answers my question. Because I was no. going to say, if you're trying to grow, don't you think your champion should be somebody who kind of attracts that outside appeal? But no. With with that answer i guess that answers my question right there so they're not trying they're just happy no. where they are they, we, this is the argument we get in the so you're new to the the uh the uh, brace for impact chat this is the argument that we have all the time is what does impact want to be and i'm of the mind that impact is very happy with what they are and they'd mm-hmm. like to sell a few more tickets but they're the top rated thing on axis and that's what anthem bought axis for and they're good I, well, hey, if you're the top rated thing on the show and that's what and that's the show they own, I guess you're right. So you don't you don't you don't need your champion to be this larger than life character when you can just bring these larger than life characters in, have them do some one, you know, a couple of shots here and there. And, you know, you can have your champion, whoever it is. So essentially he's, he's very Bob Backlund. 
right? Bob Backlund had this reign in WWE and WWF, excuse me, WWWF, where, you know, he was this very much this uh, man of the people type of champion. And it worked for a while. But by like mid 82, people started to tire of the act, right? The problem with Bob Backlund is he was champ for too long. Right. And then it, it really, the cracks really, by 83, the cracks really shined through on him. Now, I'm not comparing him that, but I, there's similar characters in that regard. Now, WWF at the same time was booking all these larger than life characters on the undercard and for Backlund to wrestle. So you would get guys like Superfly Snooka, Magnificent Morocco, Dusty Rhodes would come in. He had this great feud with uh, Superstar Graham, right? Big personality guys. So I think that an everyman champ can work if you surround him with larger than life characters okay you know but um i get it like i get i get where you're coming from i think it's just a different approach and i think that i don't think him i don't think impact is trying to grow right now and um moose had his reign and i hate the my turn kind of thing but it had to go to a baby face next and i don't know who else you would go with to be honest with you no, I think that's that's a good point. Who else do you go to? So I don't, that's a great point. I don't think there's another I don't think there's a strong enough baby face in the number two position. The next one was here, it was Heath. And Heath is over in this. He I okay, I'm the same as you. I, I get it. I cannot stand when he's on the show. But I was in the crowd in Chicago when ev- when he he ran to the crowd and everybody went nuts. Heath's over to this fan base and he's gonna lose to Eddie Edwards and like He's basically Chief J Strongbow here, so that's fine. It, it's what it is. I'm I've learned to accept it. Whatever. <laughs> he's another everyman type character. Like that's, I, I think that's what people relate to him. He's just he seems like a, a guy who just works hard and wants to take care. It's all about his kids. Right. You, got, you know what right. I'm saying? It's about his kids. But Josh has talent, so that's the difference. Yes, <laughs> a lot more. <laughs> so in a match that I thought should have been better. Mascara Dorada defeated Alex Zane. Mascara Dorada, of course, my WWF friend here, the former uh, Grand Metalik. I thought he looked really. I thought uh, he looked really good. I, I'm Alex Zane just doesn't do a lot for me. I've seen him a few a few times, a few different promotions, different style, different you know, going against different people, and he he doesn't do it for me. The whiskers on his face don't do it for me. He's fine in the ring, but they have there's plenty of people who are fine, you know, who are good in the ring. I did think Dorado looked pretty good. I, I like I like his whole style on the ropes, the way he walks the ropes and stuff like that. I, I thought he looked pretty good. The match was too long though. You don't I, why why why? And I think you've said this before. Why do people think that a long match makes it better? If this would have been five minutes with all this action packed in, it'd have been great. I don't disagree. Um, it's funny. The only time luchadors win matches in this promotion is when they come from WWE. <laughs> That's the time luchadors get beat all the time on this show. Um, my qualm with it being long is it's cold. This is super cold match. Alex Zane's been here, I think, once, maybe twice before, and they just threw him on the show, and we haven't been introduced to Dorada. Right? He had this is his first appearance on the show, and they just kind of put him out here. Like, hey, remember Grand Metal League? He used to be really good in, in, in New Japan, I swear to God. Like, that was kind of how I felt like because again he was just a yeah. dude in WWE he didn't do anything like insanely talented but I feel like he's got to rebuild his reputation and like he can here but I just it was fine right it wasn't bad it was fine but again it was too long for a match that was just super cold and again there's no story 
Like, I guess um, Middle League's going to have a shot. I know I'm doing it. Dorado's going to have a shot now at speedball. And that'll be a good match. But again, cold. Nothing nothing really. I mean, like, I don't know. I'm just bored with, hey, this match is going to be a good match for the sake of it's going to be a good match. Like, I want stakes. I want, like, care. I want like investment. I want character. Like, I just, I don't know. Didn't do much for me on the whole. Again, we got 30 video packages and we couldn't get a quick 30 seconds to introduce the guy you're about to int- you know, introduce and put over. Um, you know, people aren't going to recognize that name if they just see the match listing. So like, you just got to if you're a know. hardcore, if you're a hardcore, you will. Which but, is you're right. Who's watching Impact for the most part? But, but maybe not. Maybe not. Like they might not know that Mescar Dorado is Grand Metal League. I mean, I'll be yeah. honest. I didn't know until he started walking the ropes. And that's when like, I realized. Oh, I like who, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, because again, he had a very um whole home run in WWE. Not for any fault of his own. They just, you know, Vince, if you're not Rey Mysterio, Vince don't care about luchadors. Yeah, after the cruiserweight classic, he didn't care about anything. He had nothing to do with it. He right. didn't care. He didn't book the cruiserweight classic. Like they were stuck with all these cruiserweight dudes, and he was like, I'll just, you know, put all put all those Mexican guys together. They just, you know. Good tag team. See, that's a good tag team. I wish they would have just came in as a like you introduce them as a tag team. Then it's like, all right, you got a brand new team. I don't know. I mean, I guess you don't want to retread the old things, but I, I just like the the whole thing with this is that it was like you said, the word that you you used was perfect for it. It was just cold. Why do I care about two guys who are just out there wrestling? I mean, like I, we see good wrestling. I saw a great six man tag match last night. That lost viewers in AEW. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I think that I'm in, I don't think I'm in the minority on this. I think people from TV wrestling want a little bit more. I, I mean, you go to an indie every week and they're going to give you a good match because that's what they got to do to get people in the seats at an indie show. If I'm watching TV, I love the good matches, right? But I need a story. I need something. I need stakes. That's why I like the Moxley Punk thing. People can argue up and down if you didn't like, again, that's subjective. Art is subjective, but it's a story right? There's stakes, there's investment, there's characters, there's stuff going on. Like, I just don't like, here's a match. Like, again, if it's in the middle of the show, it's mid-card for a pay-per-view, that's fine. It's mid-card. That's okay with that. On a TV show, when you're going to take up that much time, I need a little something. If it's a 30-second squash or five minutes, like you said, sure, cold match is fine. But, yeah, for two guys that really aren't in this promotion, it was a weird choice. When you're introducing one that you're essentially going to make your next title, who who I, it seems like he's going to be the Bound for Glory title contender for the X title. Sure could be. Um, sure looks that way. It's just weird. I mean, it's just it was just weird. It wasn't bad. It was just weird. It was there. And then Jordan Grace and Mickey met backstage. Short conversation. It was fine. I mean, it was whatever. I wrote um, something down in my notes oh, because you you said something last week and uh, I, I wanted I to make lot. sure. I say a lot of things. People ask me about <laughs> things I said. And I'm like, I don't remember what. I mean, like it comes out of my mouth and it's gone. You said last week that a uh, good talker. And I would just like to say that, man, did she back that up with this 20 second promo with Mickey James? I mean, like, I, I, you know, I'm a big I think Jordan Grace is a larger than life character long as she's not talking. Look. Uh, incredible look but man really good in the ring how are you so bad just being talking normal I, not compelling so i think the indie system of the last decade has it's funny because like again i like i really enjoy watching wrestling from back in the day you, you know that the mm-hmm. best part about watching old tv wrestling is the promos 
right? And they're all short. They're all like two minutes and like, like, but it's just because you have two minutes to sell your match. So guys got really good at selling their match in two minutes. And now people think you need to have, again, longer. We think we're programmed to think longer equals better, but it's not. And like, so how do you get over in the Indies? You work these banger matches, right? But you never really develop characters. And I will say this, who's making a lot of money from all these indie guys? Danhausen. A character. A character. People <laughs> like characters. And it's always been that way in pro wrestling. Don't tell me it hasn't because I'm going to throw you gorgeous George. Like, I just don't think they work on this character stuff. And I almost think WWE, where they do, it goes too far, where you just, you know, you're reciting lines and you're not really, you know, that's too much in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Right? I think, and I think wrestling's trying to find the middle again. And some people are better than others. And not everybody's going to be a talker. That's why we have managers. So I just, I don't know. I don't know. She's great. She's great in the ring. I think she should be a heel. And I think she should have someone talking for her. And with what's coming up after the main event, I just, I'm, I am a little concerned about the build to this match and the match itself, to be honest with you. Oh, I have thoughts about that. Let's get into it. Deanna Perazzo, Masha Slamovich. So Masha's intro music is this whistling. And it struck me. I'm like, you know, she doesn't whistle. Why do they have this little stinger at the end where she's whistling? Is she a good whistler backstage? Or do we just decide that we <laughs> needed to have this whistle? Because Masha has been in this company since November. And all I know about her is she has goofy hair and she's Russian. That's it. She's a killer. She's really good in the ring. Again, no character development from her. They, they, she's in a title, like she's in a title match. They're doing something with her. Interesting. That's fine. But how, you know, the promotion of this, match is not going to be great because one can't talk one doesn't talk i've seen a couple of her her running over people and uh i man i i came away from this match just blown away by diana peraza oh diana's the best she is incredible i mean she's incredible Mm -hmm. i i i am perplexed that she's stuck in this throwaway for me, a throwaway tag team. When you have like she's a star, yeah, man. that's what I, she wants to do. Like she, I guess she had so, she had a long run with the Impact title. You can't just be champion for. Okay, I'm talking to a WWE fan. You can't just be champion forever. Like no, you yeah. can't. But you can. I don't know. I I get it. And and she is making the tag titles relevant because she's holding them, and that's yeah. that's what you do as a star. Yeah. You elevate everything around you. So and Chelsea's I actually get that. Chelsea's actually done good work too. I think that the team works i don't like them using diana to put masha over i think this it's a main event for an impact show because it's 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 a match mistakes i get that i feel like this could have been like on one of our um uh, i always forget we call the impact oh the impact plus specials i think this could have been on that Mm -hmm. and and building to a pay-per-view match with jordan and masha but whatever it worked um you know, they're trying to use Deanna's credibility to help build Masha. I think Deanna might be the best women's wrestler not signed to either of the two major companies. And she's probably, she's better than everyone in the other company, just about. She's better than a lot. I mean, she's, she's really, awesome. really good, man. I she's mean, awesome. the way she was just making these, like the counter she was doing and the way she would get transitioned to the arm bar. I, I, I loved everything about her, her, her facial reactions. And you know, Masha, she's, she's fine. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, I do not have a lot of confidence after watching this match with Deanna, with the match that she's going to have with Jordan Grace at Bound for Glory. I, 
I don't Jordan's not better than Deanna. And I don't know if Jordan's gonna be able to get a better match out of Masha than Deanna did. Masha's a pretty good worker. Like she's she's young in the business, but she's pretty good. I think the match they will have will be pretty good. I don't think the build for it will be very interesting. But it's impact, and it doesn't really matter what they put on the show. That's true. Right? Like they're not WWE or AEW, a company that has to that looks at their quarter hours and goes, well, we have to book this to get our viewers here. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what goes in Impact. That's why anything can main event at Impact. Doesn't matter. Their ratings are what they are. Nothing, you know, it gives you some freedom, but it also tells you that, you know, they could just do it. It doesn't prove anything, you know? I wonder, though, if the, if part of this has to do with them realizing kind of what we said, that Mickey James's match is going to be the top women's match on the card. Regardless. As well as it should be. Yeah, as well as it should be. Her match with Deanna, her stuff with Deanna last year was fantastic. And we talked earlier about Deanna. I don't think she's a bad promo. I don't like her voice. Like, I always it, like the content. It's a big part promos. of it. I just don't like the way she says it. And that's just a, per, it's a personal thing. I actually think that her content's usually pretty good. Like, she knows her character. Like, there's, I I enjoy Deanna quite a bit. Um, That is some, the term underutilized in WWE gets thrown around a lot. But she wasn't even on the show. Like, she, she wasn't even on NXT. That's wild to me. That's the real term of being buried. Yes. You know what I mean? That's was, really being buried. Is she when you're was not on the show. <laughs> she was not even on NXT, right. like ever. Like they had her there and she did literally nothing. It's her in like T bar. Like, and it's crazy to think that they, they had her sitting on the bench, you know, handing out water and they got Lacey Evans main event in raw about to beat charlotte flair at wrestlemania until she got pregnant like that's well like no, it's wait. crazy to me please don't make me tell you why that is well we, we know gonna, why we'll, i'm gonna leave i'm gonna leave that one alone we but know why. you're not you're not wrong like there's like a video clip of lacey evans and sammy Guevara floating around where she's like yelling at them and i think i remember thinking there's just two very unlikable people in one <laughs> shot right there like that's just a nice cross-section of of unlikable human beings that's impact for this week um if you were rate the show i'm gonna i'm gonna rate the show tell me what you would rate it oh my gosh dude i i'm gonna give it a four wow four out of ten i i was really disappointed in this show man i was Was gonna get a six oh no oh no (laughs) it's definitely not getting a six and i'm giving it a four because the aussie open promo was great it was good the killer kelly uh package was really good um sick i like her and um she's 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 wearing on me and there was some okay matches and i mickey deanna prize was and mickey Mickey. oh yeah mickey i'll give it a five okay fair mickey wow (laughs) i that's i'm usually not the person who rates the show higher uh there you go scott tell them where they can find you uh, you can find me on Twitter at me for Marvel vs. DC. That's the number four. Uh, JD, I appreciate you having me on. It's always a blast coming on here talking impact. That's awesome. Stick around for Patreon. Breaking news. Patreon. Welcome back. So last night, a former impact talent made his AEW debut. W. Morrissey is now part of the all. We didn't get the graphic, but I'm assuming he's some sort of all elite. Um, I'm shocked. Shocked. This happened. I thought for sure he was going back to WWE. I'm shocked, too. And uh, I'm actually 
I'm excited about this because he's completely different from everybody else on the roster, different move set. He's just going to be completely different. And I'm also really happy that Stokely is going to be right involved in the mix. Like that, that's a, that's a great combination. That's a great pairing. His little tail talking all that smack with that big man right behind him who you know you're not going to do nothing when he's glaring at you. And Morrissey, look, I mean, he looks fantastic. So I, I, I think this is this is great news for AEW and Morrissey. So I'm, I'm ho- I, as long as he's happy, I'm happy because I think he's going to do really well there. A year ago, I sat here on this show saying, Cass, Impact brought in big Cass. And I have never been happier to be wrong about a guy that dude got his body and his mind in line. And he was so improved. Like, and he clearly proved to AEW that he's willing to come in and do business because he got squashed by Wardlow a few months ago, which didn't get mentioned, but I'm sure will be at some point. Um, I thought for sure he was going to go to WWE after all that, but no, he, he is AEW. And I, I tell you what, I'm very I think over the next month, we're going to see Stokely Hathaway and that group he's putting together become a force in, in that company. Because I got a hunch one more guy is going to join up with old Stoke and maybe he gets the CD player back. You know, I'm not as surprised that he didn't go to WWE, especially with Triple H in charge, because him and Enzo were never a top tag team in NXT. But they were a draw. They were over in NXT. In the, they in were the, absolutely over. In the glory days of NXT. Yes, they were absolutely over. But they were never – they never put them as the top tag Because they sucked. Well, that – well, I, they can't. No, you can't – yeah, I can't really argue with that. But their matches were – they were able to get good matches out of them in NXT because of who they were working with. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think it was telling that they – I mean – that they didn't put the belts on them, even though, even though you said they weren't as good as everyone else, but they were so over. So I mean, you can, you can make an argument. They were one of the most over town acts in the entire NXT. So did they, did they need the belts? That now see, that's a fair point. Cause they didn't, they, they did not need, it would have just made a great moment, but it would have done nothing else. They absolutely did not need the belt. Fair, fair point. I just got a chat from uh, our good friend, Mike, who's supposed to be right now enjoying his wife's company for their anniversary <laughs> i know he's gonna listen to this so i'm pointing that out kyle o'reilly uh just finished having neck fusion surgery oh wow so uh similar surgery that trent had um i was supposed to have that surgery 20 years ago and i was told i would be pretty much done with my wrestling career and i said no i'm not doing that i rehabbed it for six months instead and um i was okay so he's actually his neck's clearly in much worse shape than mine. But apparently, according to this, three month recovery time. So um the surgery's gotten a lot better over the last 20 years, which is great. Glad to hear that. Uh AEW was also gonna be a topic. AEW released Bobby Fish. So I guess that elite undisputed era feud is never gonna happen. Yeah, that's that's over. And um, you know, hope Kyle O'Reilly, hope he gets well soon. And I, that actually makes it makes the Bobby Fish thing just make more even more sense because it's like Kyle Riley's not going to be around for a little bit. What exactly would you do with Bobby fish anyway? Um, and if Bobby fish doesn't want to be there, I mean, let him go. I, I mean, why, why keep somebody that doesn't want to be there? And is, it's just openly talking about going to war for the other company. You know what I mean? Like, and I get it. You want to go to bat for your guy, but you don't say stuff like that when you're working for, so you just don't, you don't do stuff like that. I'm fairly certain he knew he wasn't getting recycled because according to Brian Alvarez's contract ended today. So I'm fairly certain he knew it was over. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So I think he's angling. This is pro wrestling. I'm certain he's angling for another job. And I could see them picking him up as like a coach or something like that. Which is fine. Like, um, yeah, like we talked about with with Frost earlier. Like, I'm of the mind that let's we'll go we'll get into this too, because we're here. Um, I'm of the mind that if someone doesn't want to be with the company, there's I think you should okay. I think you should try to smooth it out with them first. Mm-hmm. Right, especially if you've invested time and money. Like um the, the story we had floating around in our uh our fight game media group, the story floating around was that um four three AEW talents uh asked for the releases, and they're all talent who have significant others in WWE. So um it was interesting to me that it does seem like Triple H is a shit disturber, you know, trying to trying to sow some bad seeds in the locker room. I'm I'm amused by that, uh, but at the same time, like I think that a couple of them are people you put significant time and money into. So I'm like, I get you don't want to release them right away. So I think you got to try to smooth things out. But if they're not happy and they're making people around you unhappy, I could see you letting them go. But I think you got. I think as an employer, I think you need to do your due diligence to try to make your employee happy. Before, because we've seen it for both companies now, where, where they're just like, "No, we're not releasing you," you know. And I, I, I get it, and I don't get. You know, I'm I'm of two minds of it. Like, I think you got to smooth it out, and if you can't smooth it out, I think you got to, I think you got to cut bait. So, you know, as far as the Tony Khan side of it goes, I, I kind of get why he's like playing hardball a little bit because in his mind, he's thinking, "You guys got released by WWE, you got cut." And I came and picked you up and put you on national television in a prominent position. And now you want me to let you go because the former boss got let go from the company that just let you go. The guy who let you go is gone. And the guy that you're friends with is now in charge. And I signed you to these long-term deals. I, I kind of get, get I kind of get that aspect of it because Tony, Tony, in Tony Khan's mind, he's like, yo, I came in and really helped y'all out at a, t- at a low point in your life. So I, not maybe not a low point in your life, but when no, you got I fired, think- when you got, yeah, I guess you're yeah. right. When you got fired. That's a low point. So I, I kind of get Tony Khan's mindset about it. And I'm someone who was beforehand, like, yo, if people don't want to be there, let them go. But I think Tony Khan's got a right or wrong. Mm-hmm. I think he's fair to have that mindset. where like, Hey, look, I got you for five years. You got to play ball. Like you, you just, you got to come. This is your job. You got to come to work and play ball. And if you're going to be a problem, I'll ice you. Like, I, it's not like he don't have talent on the roster that he can just start pulling up and utilizing. I think Tony Khan at this point is like, yo, I'm about to just start being a businessman. And if you're not going to play ball, and if you're one of those people that I did pick up during a, you know, a downtime for you like that, I'm I'm not as eager to play ball with you. I think he has to be because like Vince McMahon was around for so long and such a large presence that people were in awe of him, but it wasn't always that way. Like the, the wrestlers from previous generations didn't look at him with awe. They looked at him as someone they did business with. And a lot of the older guys looked at him as a kid. So, I mean, like there was evolutions of Vince McMahon as a promoter, right? Tony Khan's still three years into this. So he has to kind of, and again, it's been rough. Because again, every business, you're going to have rough spots. Did he sign too many people? Probably. But like, you got to you gotta utilize something. Now, on the other side, if you have a significant other who works for their company, the AEW work week is you leave Tuesday, you come back Thursday morning. WWE, 
you leave Thursday and come back Tuesday. That's the whole week. <laughs> it is. So you're not really yeah. seeing your significant other a lot, which I understand that. I can totally get on board with that. But you're right. Like, again, and again, some of these, some of them, one of them that I heard, I was like, well, you could release that guy. You know, like, I don't even know why they signed. I think we, I don't want to name names because I don't, this is all speculation. But there's one on that list. And I'm like, well, that guy is just kind of, he felt like he was signed as, as a favor. You just know, the guy. Yeah. And you know who I'm talking about, mm-hmm. right? You know, um, knock off Kenny Omega. Um, yeah. <laughs> conversations we've had before. Um, <laughs> yeah. I feel like, okay, you could get rid of that guy. Cause if you don't want to be there, like he's just there as a favor. So, I mean, like, but the other two, I'm like, you know what? Try to smooth it out. Right. Another part of me thinks that I think there's this myth that, that old NXT was great. I, I admit that I loved old NXT. Triple H had this advantage in booking it though where he only had guys for a certain amount of time. So you could push him to the very top. And when they were done, you moved them on. So you had that constant rotation of main eventers. You don't have that in WWE. Like if, if, if a bunch of these guys were to go back to WWE tomorrow, do you think they're supplanting Roman Reigns and, and Drew Galloway? Mm-hmm. I did it again. Drew McIntyre at the top, Seth Rollins, Cody Rose. You think they're going to get place over them? They just re-signed Braun Strowman. They ain't going to be to do jobs. You know, it's, I guess it really comes down to where do you want to be a mid Carter? And, and you know what, that's not wrong that's, with that question, but that's what it is. No, there's nothing wrong with that question. And I think that's kind of why Tony Khan is like, yeah, I'm not like who, and you see who, and you see who Triple H is bringing back. He brought back Johnny Gargano, mm-hmm. regardless of how we feel about Johnny Gargano. That's one of his guys. This guy, he, yeah, for sure. And he's going to utilize the guys and the people that he trusts. And you can see it in how the show is operating. Mm-hmm. He's got his women closing the, sh- the women that he knows closing the show. And so, I, you know, in a I, match, that, in a match that people walked out of and left re- really confused afterwards. So people left all, upset about people. It ain't all wine about. and roses there either, right, you know. Right. And and honestly, I think that signified the end of the honeymoon phase for him because I, a lot no, of people came with. Really, I I can't wait from like what in what is the, oh, was, again what is the mindset? I had I I talk about my conversations with John Muse a lot on this show. I had like a. I'm at school at my lunch hour, right? And I got all these plans for lunch hour. And I started texting Muse and I wasted my whole lunch hour texting John Muse because I was like, I don't get this thing. And he was more on board than I was, but we spent like 45 minutes texting back and forth about the match. So, I mean, like there's a lot of, and I'm not even a big WWE fan, but I mean, like for me, I was like, what, why, right. huh? Right. That don't make sense. I mean, like, so it ain't perfect. That's the thing about being a wrestler. I would never want to be a wrestling booker. If I write, like I'm a writer, right? If I write, the crowd goes crazy. The crowd went crazy, right? I mean, like I said it. If you're booking wrestling, the crowd might not go crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. then what? You can have all the plans in the world, but if you unleash your master plan and the crowd goes, like, what do you do from there? Like, how would respond? Yeah, I wouldn't want to have that job. But I mean, like, I do think it's interesting. I do think you have to look at these things in a case by case basis. There are some people who by their nature will never be happy. Right. Mm-hmm. The grass is constantly greener because one of the names of this, I'm like, that dude asked for a release from WWE. Now he's asking for a release from exactly. here. So, I mean, like, part of me is like, oh, you exactly. just you're just not a ha- you're just a malcontent. And you think you may think you should be better than you are. Like you think that you think you should be booked higher than your book, but everyone books you in the same place. Maybe the problem isn't everybody else, you know? 
in the you know I, again i know you don't you're not trying to admit but the person you're talking about they're very similar to mike bennett <laughs> when they don't have that when they don't have that other part it just doesn't work so i don't know man i i, I think this I think what you said about what Tony Khan has to do is, you know, you're right about it. He can't, he can't be the dictator that Vince McMahon was as far as keeping people in prison, essentially. Right. But at the same time, if you start doing it with one, you set a precedent. So yeah. he's in, he's in a tough spot well, and there's I, not going to be a right answer for it. I think he did the right thing by suspending Eddie Kingston. Cause he kind of, he, he, he cracked whip on someone that's beloved in that company by both the, the, the talent and the fan base. You have to do that. Sometimes you have but to. But then he gave him a match. He gave him a great, he gave him the best, he gave him a <laughs> he better gave match. Him a match. Because he, but at the same time, like he took the punishment like a man and went publicly and said, I effed up. I did this. I went on the Patreon. True I that. Fucked, True I that. fucked up. I deserved it. So he's getting a people. Something, I see people like upset about this. I'm like he's giving him a, a cool match on the, on the, the, on the yeah, on the, on the pre show for sure. Like, but it's a, it's a Sammy bone. Let me get stuff. Sammy on there. Let me get Sammy a match too. Nobody likes Sammy. He's <laughs> 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 one of the most unlikable people in wrestling. Um, that's hilarious though. So I, I found, I don't know, I find this whole thing interesting because, like, again, with any job, there's going to be issues, right? And as a leader, Mike does a great job breaking this down because Mike is a leader. That's his job. Like, you know, he, 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 I can't tell you what he does specifically. I forget where he is in the military. I don't understand those things, but Mike is a leader of men. He's, he helps shape young men into, you know, being adults. I get him as teenagers and then I kick them to people like Mike. So I'm like, you finish this. I'm done with this (laughs) kids annoying me. So, I mean, like that's, that's interesting to me. What do you do from here when you have grown men? Like, not everybody's going to be happy all the time at work, right? Nobody is. Mm-hmm. How do you, as a leader, how do you, how do you do that? And this is interesting to me because I think this has been the most trying time in Tony Khan's career. There's been ups and downs in AEW, like, and he's usually come out ahead, but he, it, this has been a little different this time. So I want to see six months down the line what this company looks like because again wrestling changes remember in in january people are like oh man wwe's never been worse with morale everyone's miserable that was the royal rumble that was eight was september once that was like eight months ago mm-hmm. right everything things change so quickly in this com- in this sport so it's fascinating to me as a wwe fan what's kind of your outlook on this because this is why i like talking because you and i have very different fandoms so i want to hear kind of what you think on it I think what's most interesting about this is for me with Tony Khan is it has nothing to do with wrestling. Like it has nothing to do with what's going on in the ring or storylines, because I think, you know, regardless of how you feel about it, he has shown that he is capable of putting together coherent storylines that people Mm -hmm. get attached to and that elevate talent. You know, he, he has done a good job of elevating talent to get to certain places this is going to be the real test because he's passed all the storyline in ring tests. I mean, we, we get a five-star match once a month with, with Tony Khan, you know what I'm saying? Like they almost don't mean anything anymore. And you know what I mean? Like, it's Mm -hmm. almost like you're just getting, you're getting cake with every single meal. And, and you know, it's something you argue about, but he's, he's shown that he's got that in taken care of. This is where Tony Khan as the businessman, as the owner, as the head, and kind of as the face of this company, because he puts himself out there all the time. He's constantly tweeting, doing the interviews, the scrums and all that stuff. This is where he's really going to 
when we look back at this years down the road, this is going to be one of those moments that we talk about. Remember how Tony Khan handled this? Remember how we smooth things out like this? Or it's going to be, remember how Tony Khan let everything fall apart right here. It started with this guy, then it snowballed and snowballed. So this is going to be a very important time because it has nothing to do with in the ring stuff. Vince McMahon had 40 years basically on top. Eric Bischoff has a podcast. <laughs> that's that's a big difference right there. Um, that's the truth. I mean, that's a big difference right there. What, I mean, like you gotta, you, you don't gotta be one or the other, but you have to find to live somewhere in the middle, right? Because I, th- I don't think it's, I don't think it's crazy to say Vince ruled WWE with an iron fist, right? Mm-hmm. Like Absolutely. that's that's not arguable. And Eric Bischoff did not run WCW like an iron. You know what I'm saying? Like it was totally different. And no, that guy thinks he's reinvented himself with this. And he'll have like a legion of people who watch wrestling in the nineties telling him how great he was. And that dude, I'm a huge WCW fan. The last two years, that promotion was real hard to watch as a fan, you know, and he's a big reason for it. So I, I'm super curious to see you to see where this goes. You know, we talked earlier about um, Joe Doring battling cancer again. And uh, this has been bothering me a lot because like, is that just saying, oh, cancer is terrible, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, like it, the injustice of, of defeating brain cancer one time and being told you're never going to wrestle again, defying the odds, beating it, coming back and proving that you still have got it is incredible to have to do it again is um tragic man i can't think of another word for it like and i have nothing but faith the big man will come through but just thinking about the injustice of it all but bothers me you know it's a it's a when i heard it it was really heartbreaking thing to hear and you know things are bigger than wrestling and it always just seems like you know for, for me it just seems like like the the genuine people are the ones that just seem to get dealt just some really bad hands sometimes. And, you know, you get, you get, I'm somebody who believes that you only get dealt what you can handle and you're not going to get dealt anything that you can't handle. So as you said, you know, we got to keep the positive energy, the positive vibes. And that means we have to fully believe and expect him to come back from this again and make another great return. And that's why I mentioned on the show, I, I loved how they ended it on such on a little bit more of an upbeat note, you know, and they, I thought Eric Young got a little emotional as he was, you know, talking to him backstage. It seemed I like agree. he was getting a little bit emotional. Like it was what he was saying was legit. Like you go and, and, and kick that thing's ass, that sickness ass, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I, I, I felt that. And you could tell that he's got the wrestling impacts fully behind him. The wrestling community is getting behind him just from what I've seen online and stuff. So you know, again, it's, it is heartbreaking, but I'm, I fully believe he will come back from this because you just don't get dealt stuff that you're not ready for. And he's beaten it once. He'll do it again. I love that, man. I really love that outlook. It's just, uh, it's tough, man. It's real tough. Uh, my dad's going through a second bout of cancer. Like he, I probably just been, I'm probably projecting that onto this. Cause like, I'm like, man, he did it once. Got to do it again, and it's a different form. And I'm, and it's not a big deal. He's like, that's fine. I'll be fine. I'm lucky. And I'm like, it's weird to me, like how how you can. I, I never would be able to do that. To just go, it's not. A, I got this. Don't worry about it. I I I couldn't do that. So I just, 
I marvel at the strength of, of a person who can do that. Cause I just, I don't know, man, I don't, I don't think I could. So last weekend, there was a lot of sites that were super excited about impact, bringing a new guy in who could be a difference maker, right? People, I saw it all over the place, Fightful, Post, all these guys, all Impact bringing in a new name, Impact bringing in a guy that we've been that we've been demanding for over a year. People saying, oh, man, Shane Taylor, Impact, and it happened. Shane Taylor debuted an Impact and lost to Crazy Steve <sighs> on, on Before the Impact. So my question to you, Scott, is who did Shane Taylor kill? Because every it, it feels like this guy has more heats than anybody. Like, Ring of Honor closed, and nobody nobody gave him a look. Impact finally throws him a bone, and he and I like Crazy Steve. I'm a De- I'm a Decay fan, but he's not pushed. Like, I don't know, man. I fe- this feels like a hey, thanks for coming. Please don't come back. I mean, I I was baffled when I saw this. I Shane Taylor is a guy who you know he he's. He's like, I mean, he might be one of the biggest indie names left out there who's not signed he, to anybody. He might, if not the, right? I, I mean, he, with probably him and EC3. I mean, like, I'm not even counting EC3. I mean, like, he, but he's got he's a name. Trying, right, right. No doubt. No doubt. And, you know, he, he can work in the ring. He's a yeah. good talker. And yeah. I, when he was Ring of Honor, like, the last bit of Ring of Honor television is him as Ring of Honor TV champion, the six man titles. Yeah. He was really good at leading his faction, leading his crew. He was different, and he he hits a completely different demographic. And let me tell you, Black Twitter loves some Shane Taylor. I we, I, you know what I mean? Like we we love some Shane Taylor, and that's just and that's not saying that he's not an appeal to everybody, but that's just a whole another demographic that you're hitting and that you're getting into, and I. I just I don't understand. And like you said, who, who who what did he do? Because nobody's giving him a shot. His partners he... are getting pit, you know, picked up everywhere. Khan got picked up a week after Ring of Honor folded. Tony Khan's like, yes, give me that guy. Which I get it. You look at Khan. The guy yeah. looks like an action, guy looks like an action figure. Like sign that guy all day. He could be something. But like the the group work, especially especially in a company that prides itself on trios. Oh my god. I, I, blown away and then i'm like okay impact i was thinking this like okay impact's got him he'll we need another main eventer he could be baby pace he can be heel this is a good pickup mm-hmm. and then this <laughs> i'm stunned i don't i you know what i wasn't even mad about him losing what i was mad about him losing to was crazy steve i mean like that that tells you everything you need to know about how on they BTI. feel about shane on <laughs> bti the show nobody even watches like, come on, man. Come on, man. Like, you, he can't even get on the show. <laughs> come on, man. What? They put, they put Mascara Dorada on today, and he hasn't been on TV. I mean, like, I don't get it. I don't, I, I, all I can think is this dude must have serious, serious heat with people. It's so weird because, like, I can't help but compare him and Keith Lee because that's when I first met both guys, is when they were in that tag team in Ring of Honor. And they're very different personalities, but they actually made for, for a pretty fun tag team. And Keith Lee split off, and then he was Evolve champ, signed by WWE. Now he's an AEW with, with World Tag Team champ. And then Shane Taylor's sitting at home. And it took him a while to really get going and find himself in Ring of Honor. And Shane then Taylor, he, it did. It did. Yeah, and when he did, he, I mean, he he caught fire. And STP's a, I mean, like you mentioned, 
that's a great Haas trio. You know what I mean? You you have so many, I I hate, I don't want to use the term little guys, but smaller wrestlers. They do. And and you could bring, but you can bring in these Hosses. You know what I mean? Like, and she's so different. That's, that's the thing that, that you need in wrestling. We talk about characters, great wrestlers is not enough you still have to be different you still have to stand out in some type of way and him being this thick black man who can move and just lay you out and that right hand that he lays you out with I, looks great he seemed like he would be perfect for aew like he just seems like a perfect fit for them and then the the impact thing who is impact to tell this man that he can't be a part of their promotion <laughs> you know what i mean that's how i'm looking at it at, at nordholm specifically <laughs> um, like, it's, it's crazy. I don't get it because I feel like this is a guy as a heel could be a challenger to Josh tomorrow. Mm-hmm. As a baby face, he could go against Honor no more because he's a ring. He's got that Ring of Honor credentials where you could bring him in to oppose these guys, mm-hmm. right? Like he just fits into this promotion. So I mean, like, okay, like if you wanted to, because we do this a lot in wrestling, match up black people just because we do that. Like mm-hmm. you tell me, him and Moose wouldn't be freaking awesome the two completely different body types, right? Com- two completely, even though you mentioned two black wrestlers, we, they're completely, lot, yeah. they're completely different. Totally though. different. You know what I mean? They're completely different the way they carry themselves, yes. the way they talk, what yes. they talk about. They're completely different. So that works because it's not, they're not carbon copies. They're completely different. Absolutely. Physically, um, spiritually, emotionally, like right, you right. get those guys in like, and they can both cut promos. Like you could have, mm-hmm. of all the, meandering pointless promos we get on this show you could put those two in the ring for 10 minutes let them talk and i'd be like yes this is good give me more like i don't i don't understand maybe there's something that i just don't know about but i i am baffled by why he wasn't signed months ago i've never seen anything like negative about him they have and like I guess the the thing that really gets me with AEW right now with him and specifically is they have Ring of Honor. Like maybe they're waiting for a TV show or something. That hasn't stopped them from signing people. And you've been doing pay per views. You've been doing Ring of Honor pay per views. So like I, dude, Brian know. Cage is sitting at home collecting these nice checks, working indies when he wants to, waiting for that Ring of Honor thing. Which who knows with Warner Discovery what's going to happen tomorrow? Like oh, that that's place. True. That's. I don't know, man. I I would like a more stable partner if I were them, but I don't think they have much choice. Like, you're right. Like he had he was one of the faces of the old Ring of Honor, mm-hmm. and they got everybody everybody who was a big part of the old Ring of Honor that's not an Impact has basically been signed, except for Shane Taylor. <laughs> and I don't get it. I I don't I don't get it either. And you know, when it comes to Impact, it's like especially I just. I don't understand how you bring like what the thought process was in bringing him in for a match on just for one match on BTI, like not even just, even just to lose on the show. Uh And I would still be mad, but to lose on BTI to crazy Steve is so pointless. It's like, yeah, you know what? We'll bring you in. We'll bring you in. Yeah. Come on. It feels like that. Right. Doesn't it feel like just, it just feels like they're doing this just to say they did it. And to, yeah, and to say oh, we're not, in, it's like sure, come on and work a match. Thanks, right? Exactly. Like they did with Jack Evans, right? And Jack he's Evans not Jack a, Evans, man. No, no. And Jack Evans got a spot in a major show. We got a title match with Speedball that we didn't set up. Like it just, 
I don't know what else to say. I really don't. It's it's disappointing because I and I, I keep I keep using this word because that's what separates him from everybody else. He's just so different. And impact needs people who are I, I talked earlier about Josh Alexander, and I know he's beloved. I talked earlier about him just not really projecting that larger than life persona. When Shane Taylor walks on screen, your eyes are locked in. I agree with that. That's what I mean by kind I of agree. like that that persona, that projection mm-hmm. of a top guy. Like that's when you walk on the screen and you can't take your eyes off somebody. That's what I'm that's kind of what I was referring to. And I kind of get like Gresham not working out because I don't think Gresham has much of a personality. Right. right? Very mm-hmm. good in the ring, excellent in the ring. But I mean, like as far as personality goes, like when they put him with Tully Blanchard, I would oh that makes sense as a heel. Okay, Gresham really struggles with promos and his personality, but he's at, makes perfect. That imploded, but it made <laughs> sense on paper when I first saw it. I'm like oh this will work. No, I was wrong. Um, Shane Taylor doesn't have that, right? He doesn't have those. Like <clears throat> you can just put him on TV tomorrow, and he's interested. I don't know, man. He must. You must have heat with a lot. Some, of something happened. Something, something happened, happened that we don't know about, and that's obviously not being talked about. But mm-hmm. something absolutely had to have happened because it's there's no other explanation for it. Heat's a real thing, man. Having heat is a real thing. So you're a big WWE fan, and I mm-hmm. this is an Impact podcast. So I have to ask: Is former TNA World Heavyweight Champion Drew McIntyre, aka Galloway, winning? the universal title at the clash of the castle this weekend. And if you say no, I'm, I'm going to get angry. Well, I will tell you this on the rap, which is the uh, show also on fighting media. I'm a part of, I said, no, that he was not going really, but that was before I saw that incredible video package. What an amazing, they did on drew McIntyre. And I'm going to be honest with you. And maybe I'm living in the moment and that's fine. That might be one of the best video packages they've ever done and, and maybe i might be in the moment and i i can fully accept that and it's because of the hype of the weekend and all that but let me tell you i was on the uh fight game podcast with uh gg right. and john LaRocca. you're on the flagship this week and uh yeah that was a big big show right there and uh i said that i think drew mcintyre is going to do it i think he's going to walk out as double champion and i because i just don't see how you set everything up like that and i I think he walks out as double champion, but if he stays as double champion, that's are a different thing. Both belts on the line. I thought. Well, it says undisputed title, and oh, I, okay. you know, Paul, but Paul Heyman is going. I I fully expect Paul Heyman to do his Paul Heyman thing. I I think Drew walks out with both, and I could honestly see Sammy costing Drew the. Can you hear me? Yeah, I think you hit me with accidentally. Oh, my bad. Um, I could absolutely see uh, Sammy costing him the uh, – costing Roman the title as he's the newest bloodline member and Jimmy Jay's not happy with him. But, yeah, I, I think Drew McIntyre pulls it off, man. I think we have a new champion. I, I certainly hope so because my favorite WWE production video ever is the Daniel Bryan monster video. Like, it's – for WrestleMania 30? Yeah, for WrestleMania 30. That was great. That was what brought me back as a wrestling fan. I love Brian Danielson. I love that video package. This was right up there with that, man. It was so good. Even someone like me that, like, you know, I, any reason I can to go, mm, at WWE, I'll take it. <laughs> I was like, I was blown away. Like, I'm like, man, maybe I should watch this show. Like, it got me that interested because I love, love McIntyre. I'm a TNA guy, man. Galloway. Mm-hmm. Love this guy. So it would just, I know he's won the title before, but, you know, those pandemic, I mean, 
not really. No, fa- you know? no fans. No yeah, fans. Really, that was a really like. I'd like to forget 2020 ever happened. To be quite honest with you, like, I think I, I hate to use the term "deserves" because nobody deserves anything, but I think that Drew Galloway has earned. Good word. The opportunity to win that title in the United Kingdom. He's Scottish, so it's not his home country, but in the UK, close enough. I think that it would be a good moment. And I didn't think it was going to happen because Roman don't lose, but I would be very, I don't know, man. I, we're still figuring out triple H as a, as the main roster booker, but I'll say it. I'd be surprised if he didn't. I'd be surprised too. And I, what I'm really curious about is going to be how that reaction is going to be for both. Oh, I, I think Drew's going to get a monster reaction, but completely different this is a completely different uh, Roman, you know, that we're, this is a, this is the God mode Roman. So I, the, the reactions are going to be incredible with this crowd, I think. And I think it's going to be telling to see how Drew is, is received compared to Roman. Are we going to get dueling chance? Do we get a full crowd behind Drew after the entrances and the match starts? I, I think that's going to be very interesting as well. It's a UK crowd too, which I think is going to make it even more interesting because mm-hmm. those UK crowds can be really different sometimes but wwe crowds kind of aren't what they used to be you know what i'm saying like um AEW has kind of siphoned off a lot of those negative wwe fans <laughs> guilty guilty um so everyone's a lot more willing to play along than they used to be but the uk is is a different place it's a whole so, different beast yeah I'm fascinated to see how this turns out. I think, I think it's a great, if you love professional wrestling, God, is this a great weekend? I, I I'm with you. Um, even, even starting with the, with like worlds collide, that's going to be a great show. Yeah. I, I think that's going to be a really strong show. And the match that I'm probably looking forward to most is the one they just added was ricochet versus Carmelo Hayes. I'm a huge, huge Carmelo Hayes fan. Um, love what they've done with him. And I think Ricochet and him are going to have a really good match. But, yeah, and then you go to AEW, and you mentioned – I, I do want to touch on the Punk thing real quick. I didn't like that they gave away the match on free TV. That being said, you can't argue with what they were able to do with that kind of hype and anticipation because it carried over to the following week, and Punk cut a great promo. And this match is going to be really – Steel cut a great promo. A Steel cut a great promo. He – he cut the he cut the fire promo that Punk was able to build off of. That's a great I, call right there. I loved I, I see. I think I was a big fan of it. It legitimized Moxley's reign, which had to happen. You couldn't have Moxley be erased from history. Mm-hmm. Did too much good work. It made the match, in my opinion, more interesting. My opinion. I'm, I'm I might be alone in this, and it gave us an interesting story of Punk. You know, maybe not. Nah, maybe I don't got it. And Ace Steel coming out and giving this fiery promo and it was so chicago laden that i how could i not love it like (laughs) it was like in my dna so i'm the i'm a bad person to ask this because those are my two favorite professional wrestlers is john moxley and cm punk right now so i'm like i'm in and i already have tickets to the show so i mean like i'm i'm in like i i got no problem i got no no issues whatsoever with that match this is a great weekend for professional wrestling, and I hope everybody really enjoys it and, and gets into it. I'm actually interested in, in um, Killer Kelly and but our good buddy Filthy Tom against Billy Starks and Brian Alvarez. 
That's what? gonna happen tomorrow. Oh my night. gosh! I I I am all about Killer Kelly choking out Brian Alvarez. I think Brian Alvarez is all about that too. <laughs> um, I think that is going to be absolutely as far as indie stuff goes over the weekend. It's going to be fantastic. I love that we get these these like indie supercars are following these big shows all over the place. I love that my city is getting this once a year. We're so spoiled, or actually twice a year now. We're so spoiled in Chicago, and I don't want it to ever change. Um. I get it's, nothing here in Richmond, Virginia, so you're absolutely spoiled. No, I can't argue that. That's that's a hundred percent accurate. <laughs> so on the coming up on the wrap this week, what are you guys going to be covering? So we are going to have a uh, post game uh, show recapping Clash of the Champion or um, Clash of the Castle. I say Clash of the Champions, Clash at the Castle, and we're also going to do a Worlds Collide one as well. So we'll have both of those coming out this weekend, reviewing the WWE shows. That sounds interesting. Um, with such a big pro wrestling weekend, it's going to be real interesting to see what the talking points are going to be. I think that both Tony Khan and Triple H are going to have guns blazing because they're both going to fight to be the conversation point. AEW has the advantage simply because they go on last. Right. That's but true. Triple H is going to try to go with an onslaught to to stack the deck to make it hard for him to suck up the conversation. This is a great time to be a pro wrestling fan. Like if you are into pro wrestling, this is going to be, this weekend is a nice little uh, exclamation point on what makes this hobby. So damn cool is you have people that are fighting so hard for your attention, fighting so hard for your dollars that as a fan, you should just sit back and enjoy it. This is what it was like in the nineties. Like, when we had WCW, WWF, and ECW all going on at the same time, it was always crazy. There was always some kind of lunacy going on. But we got some really fun stuff, and we're starting to get a little bit of that again. And it just it makes me happy. And um, I wish Impact could get involved a little bit more, but I'm going to see the Motor City Machine Guns live, and I'm excited about it. I can't even begin to express it. Yeah, that's pretty dope. And I can't wait. I I I. I think that's awesome. You're gonna you're you're getting a lot, man. I Boy, I have to admit, I I hate on you a lot. I hate on Chicago a lot. I appreciate that. Speaking <laughs> as everyone from the city of Chicago, it's gonna be great. I'm gonna watch FTR versus with the Motor City Machine Guns. Yeah, sure, Jay Lethal and and Wardler involved. Who cares? That's all I needed to go. For my good buddy, regular Scott. Thank you as always for filling in when Mike can't be around. Mike, have a happy anniversary. We love you. We'll catch you next week. And until then, mahalo.